0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.
1: This episode of Travel is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi everyone, my name is Gilad
2: Gorin and I am the co-founder of Raleigh & Drake. And what I love about travel is that fundamentally speaking, um, the act of travel is a core need to us as humans as the need to breathe and eat. Uh, Travel, the experience of it, the stories it creates has largely shaped our identity and our cultures. Um, And yet as complex as that sounds, the simple act of travel, the freedom to walk and explore, it's such a simple luxury. Uh, It's a luxury that we've all shared
0: throughout mankind. um, And it's a luxury that continues to bond us together. Put yourself in these shoes. You're on an airplane. And during your in-flight experience, you're watching Anthony Bourdain explore the very city that you're going to. And you say, oh my god, I want to go to that restaurant. Imagine you could book that table at the hard-to-find restaurant right then and there.
1: This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. Today we're
0: going to be joined by Bess Chapman, who's with uh, JetBlue Technology Ventures. Hi, Bess.
3: Hey, hey. thanks for having me.
0: And uh, Mark Rako, who's the uh, Chief Creative Officer at Mouth Media Network. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Hey. hey uh, did I get your title right?
4: No, but it doesn't really but matter. It? <laughs> you know, it's in the area. <laughs> cool. I, I, I produce this show. How's that? that yeah. That's, yeah that's, 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 that's one of the things that I do. But I'm, I'm glad to be on this side of the mic today it would awesome. be a fun conversation.
0: Cool, for sure. And hey, Galad, how are you? I am fantastic. <laughs> Glad to hear it, man. So tell me, what's the future of travel content look like? Wow. Big that's question. It's a, a big question. Out of the gate, John. Yeah. Nice. Let's, <laughs> let's see.
2: Um, I think the future of content in the travel context is going to be a mix of personalization. Um, it's And, and basically... Rather than focusing on kind of the celebrity culture of the past where you had, you know, really well-known names who are like, this is what I do when I go to Rome, um, which still works and still important. I think more and more people looking to delve beyond the kind of the, uh, the checklist of a city uh, are going to be looking for the locals, the authentic voices, or the people who are not necessarily live there, but align with the traveler and the way they view travel. And then getting to their kind of ethos. Yeah. And then the way it's going to be portrayed is ubiquitous everywhere. I mean, with ubiquitous connectivity on flights and everything, you're going to have that kind of quality content coming in throughout the traveler's journey.
3: Yeah. And that's that's a great point about the in-flight Wi-Fi. Because I think what we've seen um, just through the data and research is that millennials very rarely plan their trips until they're actually on the flight on the way to where they're going, right? I've done they that have, like so many times. Right, right? <laughs>
0: you so. have
3: You have like the dreaming phase of the journey where you're thinking about where you might want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're on the flight, you're on your way, um, and that's when you, you really get into the brass tacks of planning. So in those two phases, so dreaming and planning, where does Raleigh and Drake fit in?
2: Uh, it's a great question. Um, so <clears throat> I was... Pretty much born and raised in the travel industry. Oh. Um, when I first came back to it, kind of like post college and all that kind of stuff. At that time, nine months before your actual trip happened, you already planned out. I'm talking about like eight years ago. And in that span of eight years, as you said, the booking window has narrowed to the point where I would like to book stuff on the flight over, or at least get content. You know, I was just uh, on my way to Barcelona. For um, I got lucky and I had a couple of days on the way to this conference. I'm stuck on the flight. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't even have a hotel reservation, and it's like five hours where I can't do anything, can't plan. Um, so I think as Wi-Fi becomes more available, technology speeds up to the point where you can start streaming videos on the flight, and then there's the whole concept of the Uber of everything. Everything's on demand. Um, the dreaming to the um, inspiration where inspiration is no longer coming from just the set authorities. Everyone is inspiration, right? Right. 70% of content on Instagram is travel related. It all kind of molds together and there's a lot more opportunities for what really is the magic of travel, which is spontaneity.
0: Hmm. And
2: that's really kind of like that sort of golden thread that a lot of companies I'm sure you see are trying to get to you know, right. trying to own that part as opposed to being just a facilitator
4: or the person who's taxing you with like, I don't know, late fees or baggage fees or something like that. Curious. Uh, in going on to the Raleigh and Drake website, the very first thing that smashes you in your eyes when you get there is the phrase experience is the new luxury. So my question is, is what you're doing really about the democratization of let's say, travel advice or, or setting the compass for how someone's thinking about their travel experiences um, instead of that, that motivation and, and, and influence coming from publications and brand messaging and advisors, it being democratized to some degree? Or is it about redefining what luxury actually is? So we're not in the
2: business of <clears throat> setting the new paradigm. We're in the business of reading the lines and how people plan their trips and how people uh, view luxury um, and providing the tools for brands in the travel space to be able to adapt to that. And what I mean is um, the fact that especially millennials, but I think that's it's a mindset. So millennials is a psychographic as opposed to demographic. Um, are viewing more value, they see more value in experiences over material things, that's just a given at this point. I mean, you hear this in every conference, right? And the fact that people are willing to not necessarily spend um, luxury prices on every piece of the travel experience, but be more selective and you know, maybe you know, skimp a bit on first class so that they could spend all their money on omakase restaurants mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's just the reality of the matter. Um, And in terms of where the authoritative sources are located, you know, if you, Expedia's recent study was talking about like what people spend 45 hours on 45 different websites while they're planning. Um, Again, Instagram being such a, Instagram made Iceland happen as a travel destination. It's insane, right? So people are not looking to one source. They'll go to Facebook and ask their friends first over anything, and then they'll go to Instagram and follow, you know, or look at the brands or the people they follow and then eventually get down. We look at a world where less than 25% of travelers actually trust sites like TripAdvisor and loyalty rates for travel brands isn't dramatically low. I used to think it, I used to think it was 16%. And then the recent Skiff report said like 2 or 3%. Yeah. So in this world where you could call it democratization, some would call it balkanization. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the compass... It's the name Raleigh and Drake, Explorer's Compass, um, <clears throat> is in building, building a quilt. Uh, and this quilt is um, different sources of insight. So you'll have people like Anthony Bourdain or National Geographic who are legacy brands at this point. But just as important, you know, maybe Bourdain isn't a fine arts expert. But my friend Brian Toth, who's a curator, I would probably want to take his advice. And that's, you know, that's where Raleigh and Drake comes in is being able to aggregate trusted content. Um, in a way that brands could easily um, deploy into their website. They could own that discovery ecosystem and make it their
4: own. As a quick follow-up, again, on this idea of luxury. Yeah. So you have people who are not part of the millennial generation Mm -hmm. uh, who have looked for a long time at luxury equating to opulence or higher living or the best of things or whatever and newer generations may be looking at it as the opportunity to shape your own experiences is luxury. Mm. Um, uh, or at least I'm saying that in reaction to part of what you were talking about in terms of millennials. Mm. Um, how how do I experience this? How, how, how do I feel about the experience? It may be where the luxury is. Mm. So would you say that Raleigh and Drake is Maybe reacting is the wrong word, but um, uh, aligning with that thinking and will that repel those who think of luxury in a different way? And I'm not asking this question as like a challenge, yeah. but but how are you thinking about that? Are you, are you looking at a specific demographic or psychographic segment as your target audience and... Those who don't understand the way you're thinking about that are just not going to connect with it. Um.
2: So overall, uh, in the world of jargon, you know, the term "millennials" thrown about a lot. Um, it it makes for good book sales and good conference appearances, and there is value to that term. But again, it's not. I don't think this is a demographic. It just so happens that people born 1980 to 2000 are you could say likelier to be more into experience over material things. But I see people who are much older and much younger looking for that as well. I think it's a psychographic. That's what I said, um, another term to throw into the jargon mix. Let's um, do it. Let's <laughs> <throw another one. laughs> it's a term that I actually like it's called aspirationals and aspirationals. It's actually a global, um, um, grouping. So just as likely in India as in China as in the UK as in, uh, the United States is 29% of the world, they say. And aspirationals are people that want to vote with their dollars. They're looking for purchases. They are consumeristic, you know, they're consumers, but they want to buy products from companies that have a social or environmental mission. And that goes beyond just demographic. Um, I think that with Raleigh and Drake, so again, we um, are a white label bookable content as a service solution to add more to the jargon. Basically (laughs) we aggregate all this amazing content. We make it bookable and we, um, license it out to brands that are looking to build engagement, revenue sales, learning, you know, enhancing the guest experience. When you look at how the most legacy of luxury institutions and hospitality, um, and in the aviation space are moving, they're moving towards, um, a more a la carte curated experience. So, for some people luxury, I must have the five-star amenities of a barber in the lobby. Some people are like, why would I need a barber in the lobby, right? I would rather have an Ethiopian coffee ceremony at a hotel in DC, because that's DC, and there's an incredible Ethiopian population there, and that is the kind of experiences that I want. So the trend throughout luxury is moving towards experiences, and it's not just for millennials, Though, I mean, at the end of the day, they have now become the most lucrative spender and obviously the most frequent traveler. So it makes sense.
3: You've mentioned a couple of times Instagram, and I really appreciated your comment about how Instagram made Iceland a travel destination because it's so true. I went there. I'm a sucker. (laughs) And it was awesome. Um, But I'm interested to hear how you see Instagram as a platform for content and if it's here to stay. Um, in the travel space, because you look, you know, Snapchat has kind of fallen out of the periphery. Facebook is being used in an entirely different way. Um, is Instagram here to stay and in your opinion, and do you think it's going to grow as a lever, um, for, for the travel space and for your content?
2: Well, it's hmm, a very good question.
4: Um, you're on fire today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much coffee. <laughs> um,
2: the power of Instagram is really in the power of visuals, in that, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, but beyond just visuals, until most recently, it's visuals coming from real individuals. Um, it was, you know, I'm sharing my experience with others. It hadn't been as hampered by interest and commercials and stuff like that as Facebook was. There
0: was purity to it in a way. Um, so you're not relying on the the channel, but you're relying on the consumer behavior, right? Essentially that people want to be booking or want to be able to book things directly through these visual interactions or like that, the, that they can interact with the visual platform of Instagram. So right?
2: we're not reliant on Instagram in terms oh, right, of our yeah. platform being powered by it or anything uh, like that. Right. What our use of, first of all, Instagram is a phenomenon that's, been a radical shifter in the travel industry, like we said. You think of a beautiful destinations and how powerful they are. They've were built by Instagram. The infatuation, right? The new eater to some people is literally started as a hashtag on Instagram. Um, for us, we personally we learn a lot from the platform, and also we seek out explorers who we find uh, the content creators uh, we find a lot on Instagram. Um, whether it's here to last there's always a black swan in the midst. I think, uh, not to nerd out, but I think that uh, um, blockchain technology will come up and disrupt a lot of these titans. It's already starting to happen. And there's a lot that's coming in on that, a decentralized version of Facebook and Instagram. But the timeless power of visuals, yeah, that's not going to leave because we're visual as beings, you know? Um, And the connection. I mean, it really took, it, it was a way for, um, advocates and if you quote now they're called micro influencers it's just another channel for them um, you've always looked for the advice of your friends and your family and there's another way of doing it and a more extending version of it if you will yeah
0: so what is a what is you know you mentioned that you're building tools for brands to be able to 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 act in this way so what does the tool look like you know is a like you know, as a as a brand, what can I expect when I'm working with Raleigh and Drake that way?
2: Yeah. So, um, to the brand, they get access to a um, a dashboard. Think of it as a CMS, and in the CMS, they have the full gamut of all the destinations that we cover and all the explorers that are on our platform. And again, these explorers range from specific niches like the James Beard award-winning chef, the underground DJ, all the way up to The Infatuation and Zagat and bigger names even. Um, And they would be able to either create personas. So if I am, let's say, for example, um, The Four Seasons, I may be looking to create a cachet of content that appeals more to the luxury traveler, the families, the business traveler, something of that sort. And this CMS is fully robust, so they could literally customize the destinations, the content, um and the explorers and then through a simple um, API or an iframe, depending on how they want to work with it, that entire platform, it's bookable content in the form of recommendations, city guides, and then videos. We're doing destination videos that are bookable as well uh, is then made available on any of the brand's digital touch points. So for full deployment, as an example, we were to work with an airline. We're talking to several airlines and OTAs and hotels in the airline context, imagine um, you know you're going to Barcelona, and you're going, uh, um, since you're in the room, we'll say JetBlue. Uh-huh. I don't even know if they're flying to Barcelona, but let's say no, they're fl-
3: we're not. We're not. <laughs> okay. Not yet. So let's
2: say JetBlue to uh, Havana. Are you still flying yeah, to Havana? Yeah. Let's rock with that one. Okay. So JetBlue to Havana. I go on the website. Um, Raleigh and Jake would give JetBlue the ability to have an entire discovery platform owned by JetBlue. So... I know I'm going to Havana. What's good at Havana? You're getting recommendations from local DJs in Havana from, you know, uh, derivatives of Anthony Bourdain and people like that. And you could start favoriting, you could start sharing and you could actually book it. So now JetBlue owns the entire travel experience, a full 360 experience that JetBlue could provide. It's no longer just the airline. It's never just the airline, but, <laughs> uh, Move on to the app, JetBlue app. You could sit there as well. So everything you favorite on the website, you now have in the app. Again, sharing, booking into the in-flight experience, both back of seat um, and also your own personal devices through the Wi-Fi network. And it's all integrated and connected. Uh, and then in destination, JetBlue would be able to actually send notifications and really own that entire experience. So that's how full it could get.
4: How, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lost on one Quick point, sure. uh, and this is going to be me and you'll help. Forget the audience for a second; just help Mark out a little bit. Let's rock it. <laughs> we we went from being about listening to what your friends have to say mm-hmm. to now a company like JetBlue essentially owning a travel experience, which means that there's brand messaging and 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 branding involved with that. That seems to get away from what my friends have to say. Build the bridge between those two things for me.
2: Yeah. They own it in the sense that they host the entire experience. They don't own it in the sense that it's Jet Blue's.
4: They're not curating the content. No. Your, your exactly. friends or the influencers are creating the content, and what you guys are doing is is creating the world in which that lives. So the community and, and of explorers a way to access it.
2: Yeah, the community of explorers um, is a broader version of your friends and family, um, and some of them are really well known, and some you have no idea who they are, but as soon as you read their byline, you're like, oh, wow, I should trust him for fine arts or something of the sort. Uh, JetBlue or any airline or hotel or other brand essentially is the facilitator. They um, host this experience of trusted third-party recommendations. They get to benefit from um, ancillary revenue because there's commissions on these bookings. Um, They get to provide to get the brand cachet of providing incredible experiences and facilitating especially when it comes to airlines and hotels um ancillary revenue is key they're looking for new ways to you know monetize and enhance the guest experience and the last piece is that the entire platform is built for personalization so depending on how much contact we have with the uh, loyalty program or what have you from the beginning the recommendations that you'll see are personalized for you and the more you engage with the platform the more personalized it gets, as well.
0: Coming up, you're going to hear from Galad on how Raleigh and Drake interacts with travel brands infrastructure and how that plays into the personalization with their customers, along with, you know, what those dream customers really look like. And we'll still be getting into more of the bigger ethos of what Raleigh and Drake does uh, on a larger scale. Uh, Galad, you have a snack for us. Would you bring us? I'm very excited. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. It's in a bag. So, like, what do we got? <laughs>
2: So, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, apropos Barcelona, I was flying in and I uh, fell in love. <laughs> I fell in love with uh, a kind of sauce called romesco. It's an f- old fisherman sauce. Mm. And uh, it was the season and I bought like 20 jars. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was the, uh, it stole the show at the family Passover Seder in Israel. And I have one jar left and my friend's you now will get to taste Romesco sauce. Wow. Uh, shouts to Santi and Marta from Welling and uh, Alba from eDreams, all in Barcelona. Uh, another excuse to visit those guys. Um, and then you'll, have to, you'll get to dip it with uh, some pita. Bringing back
4: my uh, my Israeli roots. You know what I love about shout outs? It means that that's like three more people who get to listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> you still share it with those people so they hear the shout
2: I was just wondering has anyone ever done shout outs? Yeah. Oh, On a yeah. podcast like this? Sure. For sure. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but you did it well. You did it well. Uh, well, let's, let's have some of that. pulp. bring it, it out. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com.
3: Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's travel B-I-Z show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. A lot of what you're talking about is around personalization, um, which is a huge theme um, within the future of travel. We all know that. Is it necessary for a modern travel brand, whether it be a hotel brand, an airline, to have a CRM, to invest in that? And how is your technology fueled by a CRM?
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact that, that <laughs> there is a question of whether you need to have a CRM or all, it's, at this point, is a little surprising. Yeah, you have to have a CRM. You have to know your customer. If you don't know your customer, then every single time, you, you basically you lose the advantage of repeat business in a way. Right. The more you learn about the customer, the more you, you know, are able to serve in a way where they have no reason to go anywhere else. Uh, And saves ungodly amounts of money on advertising again, remarketing, all that kind of stuff. Um, And that's really the biggest struggle. uh, When you look at all the Titans in the industry, right? They're all fighting about how do we reduce costs on, Google AdWords and on marketing new and all that kind of stuff, reduce the CPA. And that's really where actually Raleigh and Drake come and help. Um, We are in the ideal state. We would have a connection with a CRM that we could actually feed the the company's CRM. What we mean by that is every interaction with our platform is tracked. So engagement in the form of favorites. Um, Let's say you're, Uh, customer is favoriting dive bars and Michelin starred restaurants. We'd be able to track that and send it to our brand partners and they now have that on their records. Same thing with time on uh, videos and shares, um, the ability to grab emails as well. Um, And towards the customer, the beginning of the personalization process, it's the same thing. If we are connected to a loyalty program, we could start the personalization a lot faster. And then it's a lot more effective a lot earlier. But even without any of that, or very little of it, let's say on the flight, we only have the flight manifest. We know your name, uh, where you're going to,
0: where you're coming from. Good start there. Hmm. Yeah. But what do to, you yeah. do? You think that trend is going in a positive way for you or a negative one? Because as you know, GDPR, um, data, the whole privacy play with what's going on with Cambridge Analytica and and Facebook. Uh, you know. Are people going to get more or less incentivized at these major carriers and uh, to even you know put any investment into data or understanding what their customers is doing
2: yeah. It's a really good question. We were at um, the ancillary um, and merchandising conference in Edinburgh last week, and that was a huge theme. it's actually one of the reasons the airlines liked what we were offering because we don't store any of the data ourselves. Uh, whatever we get from the airlines it stays hence the CRM connection, it stays there. We work with it and we don't, that's it. Um, So we uh, avoid that threat. Uh, We're also not the merchant of record. So there's also that issue that we don't
0: have to deal with. Mm. Um, But then you're relying on the fact that um, that, uh, a major OTA would invest in a CRM solution if they're not currently... Working with one uh, to a full effect, right? But they might not necessarily want to do that if they have to hold liability around compliance for GDPR. Um, do you see that as a as a, as a hindrance or a-
2: no, I, I think the future of privacy. Uh, again, going back to the whole idea of tokenization, we're already dealing mm-hmm. with that. We're we're speaking with uh, OTAs where the transmission of data is done through tokens mm-hmm. uh, to. Um, avoid data breaches and stuff yeah. of that sort so the future will be a mix of opt-in in mm-hmm. terms of what you're willing to share and what you're not and that's something that is it's happening good. already in Europe because um, l- let's face it you know I'm going to share some of my private details to get a better experience a lot of people are doing it yeah. all the time right um, the question is, do I know that I'm sharing? That's the big thing. Right. So it'll be a mix of uh, tech solutions like tokenizations, and then legal solutions in the form of opt-ins.
0: Interesting. Oh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I was like really in on that question. <laughs> that's, I yeah. think that's
3: re- that's super fascinating, and it's interesting to see. You know, everyone says data is the new oil. Um, And everyone also says our industry, transportation and travel, is always a few steps behind. So I actually feel recently we're we're finally catching on to the trend. And startups like yours are really interesting because they kind of show the fruits of what that can bring, right? It's a very tangible example of, you know, invest in a CRM, invest in data and knowing your customers and look what you can do.
2: I mean, at the end of the day, we're so fortunate to be the industry part of one of the coolest things in the world- the ability to travel right mm. yeah. there's so much magic into it yeah. um and when I first got into the industry, I felt quite disenchanted right off the beginning, and frankly because the industry wasn't for me it wasn't I wasn't really finding ways products to sell to my friends or any of this stuff right. the the infrastructure was old i mean there's you know the running joke about how. Agents are using pre-mouse technology and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. And it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there's such a unique opportunity that that I don't think many other industries have to move the needle to the point where you could actually get to that magic again. Yeah. And then suddenly, you're no longer the hindrance. You're no longer the stories of um, three-hour-long waits and delays. You're suddenly – the guide, the Yoda, if you will, the Yoda to the hero's journey. You're the reason that the traveler has an unforgettable experience and that's magic.
3: Yeah. And, and I think there is a moment to leapfrog right now. I think it's, it's a really opportune time. And with that, what brands do you think are doing it right? If any in our space, that's kind of your dream customer or partner
2: Ooh.
3: or that even inspire you.
2: Um, it's a very good question.
4: Hmm. That's three, best. That's Whew. Three, three for best three. Oh, you. That and a thousand over here. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> here. That's a tough question.
2: <laughs> um, okay, there's the obvious ones, right? Uh, in terms of doing it best from building a brand. Uh, I hate to say it, but Airbnb, they've yeah. built a brand. They build a brand that people resonate with. I, I had the, uh, the fortune to speak at uh, their last uh, summit. Um, their last event in Los Angeles, and my God, it was like cult status. It was all hosts. They were like, flip it out. <laughs> they were such fans of that brand. Where else do you see that in travel? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we take a lot of inspiration from brands outside of the traditional travel. Um, brand resonance, number one, something like a Patagonia, which often when I ask the question of a travel brand that people like, they bring patagonia really even though they're not really a travel brand yeah. um a few others of that sort in terms of technology and personalization i mean you know companies like asos companies like warby parker amazon traditionally though i think people have leapfrogged in terms of the personalization but that is insane they as soon as they brought in the simplest versions of personalization their sales went up a upwards of 60 percent. you know so it's it's not this, mm, I wonder if personalization is going to happen or it's going to work. It's like personalization works. Let's get it done here.
4: You know, how are you thinking about uh, just a slight pivot? How are you thinking about brands that you can partner with that aren't travel brands, uh, no. such as just uh, entertainment brands, or um, it's Sony Pictures, or or uh, trying to get um, you know a McDonald's or or whoever, just to just to. Uh, just to be hosting, just to be integrated with your travel experience. And even the fact that you've got in-flight entertainment, but you have entertainment from a variety of entertainment providers and that entertainment provider trying to be who you think of connected to travel.
2: Oh man. <laughs> um, I had a, a recent conversation with a, um, an executive at Sony Columbia records and uh, I, did, I did college radio. I'm a huge music nerd. And for the longest time, I was like, I wish I could get back in the music industry. And like, my friends would be like, you don't want to get into the music industry. <laughs> but, I mean, it's so cool, right? And then, and then I realized that actually travel as an industry could fit into every single one of those kind of like niches and segments and in industries. So there's the one way of doing it, which is, you know, entertainment travel, which is cool. But, um, apropos your question, there's incredible music festivals around the world, right? Uh, One that I hope to be going to soon is Haven in Copenhagen in August. Mm. I'm traveling to Haven, they have an app, they're telling me what's good in the area. Is that not travel? Um, We could take festivals, we're talking to artists of all kinds, we're talking to brands in the um, automotive space, in lifestyle brands, companies, communities, um, a community like daybreaker, for example, we throw the sober morning time parties they this is why this is like the what's exciting about a, a brand like actually like a, a platform like Instagram because at the end of the day you might have more followers or less, but a brand and an individual and a publication are still all equal in terms of being contributors right. um, and they could all create guides and they wouldn't, all have unique
0: insights wouldn't it' be wouldn't it be actually easier to break into some other industry than travel, given the the infrastructure that we've talked about and some of the and, unavailable... And, and, and
4: given the fact that that particular company or industry may be trying to get into travel. Yeah. In other words, this is a route in for them very organically. Yeah.
2: This is something that we're actively pursuing with brands outside of the travel space who mm-hmm. want to use the magic of travel as a means for connecting with their consumers. Right. Because you're example. talking about the consumer behavior, like the, the psychograph you're
0: talking about is really yeah. what you're addressing.
2: Here's yeah. an example, um, you know, uh, um, an automotive company like Ford, for example, they have the Ford owner's app or Mercedes, they all have apps. They know where you're going. You know, they're all about, it's a lifestyle brand because everyone wants to be a lifestyle brand. Um, they could use travel, they could use recommendations coming from the the explorers that we have to enhance their experience, create this exclusive discovery platform. And it's also, it's a bookable thing. So those are conversations we're having. But the reason we are focusing on travel, honestly, um, uh, my business partner, Patrick and I, uh, we connected three years ago. We were actually connected through a mutual friend. Um, And the reason we were connected is because we're both um, passionate about the world of travel, but also about impact. Um, And when we started three years ago with Raleigh and Drake, the idea was, okay, how do we mainstream impact in the travel space? Mm. Um, I, my background, um, having worked as a, in a tour operator, and then I started um, a nonprofit called Travel Plus Social Good, now known as the Impact Travel Alliance, uh, which is an incredible community of impact-minded entrepreneurs. I can vouch for that. It's a really awesome community
0: yeah sorry no yeah thank you um
2: um, but i realized along the way that without a private sector solution there's only so much that you could do in terms of moving the needle and in terms of making impact mainstream it can't be about niche stuff like volunteering and ecologists. it's just like most people aren't going to want to do it and that's fine i'm on vacation you know um but everyone wants to travel like bourdain Everyone wants to travel like, you know, what they see on Instagram. And they want to also be contributing their memorable experiences. And it turns out the way that Bourdain travels, authentic local experiences, all that stuff, all that stuff that the brands are talking about, is actually much better for the world. It means more money spent locally. It means lower carbon footprint because you're not looking for only big box hotels. You're looking for more, you know, off the beaten path experiences. Um, And it means less cultural commodification, which is a controversial issue when it comes to travel and tourism. So if we could get more people to travel that way, then we could move the needle. And how do we do that? Will we need to reach them, as many of them as possible, in as many places as possible? Mm -hmm. And that's where the nature of the relationship with airlines and hotels and airports uh, comes into the mix. So as an example, um, I'm happy to say that we're already deployed in eight major airports in North America. Uh, through a partnership with a company called OTG. You've probably seen all the iPads, 9,000 of them. Um, and we're often the best performing kind of content player there. So we're already reaching, hey, they get a million travelers a month touching these iPads. That's a million travelers a month who might be seeing recommendations that are, you know, that are focused on mom and pop shops that are not in Times Square, but are in bed as an example. That means money spends local and
4: on and on that's great are, are you able to control i don't know why this just occurred to me from what you were saying but yeah. is there any control for the content that flows through the ugc that flows through your product so uh xyz airline mm-hmm. is hosting mm-hmm. uh the experience and and but the ugc is flowing through it mm-hmm. yes
2: yeah so UGC in the way that it is user generated. User But it's highly curated. We we are it is du- highly curated. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So
4: so then my question is how what is what is it that you are doing that makes the user, let's call it, trust the authenticity of the messaging and not feel that they're basically being marketed to by a highly filtered process. And their voice Or, or they're in like really seeing that this is a legitimate Mm -hmm. view of the world, and not the world that Disney or JetBlue or some other company wants them to be seeing. Yeah. Um, Since part of what it's about is is discovering more of the world. So,
2: so you get the title. It's a very good question. It's a good question. (laughs) You win, right? (laughs) No. So um, the way we do that is. Raleigh Drake is not the star of the show. Often in the deployment, you won't even see our name. Mm. The stars of the show and the brands that we work with, they understand that they shouldn't be the stars of the show either. The stars of the show are the explorers. It's Mariana Jomani. who's an incredible photographer, and she leads trips in uh, Nicaragua and Cuba. It's um, the Nature Conservancy, who are the world's largest um, conservation organization. So if they're putting a guide... For travel you know that they are focusing on sustainable options, um, so they feature prominently they have a bio there 's a profile uh, they choose the links that people could like link out and learn more about what they do. There are no stars there 's no reviews you also don 't have thousands of restaurants in New York or anything of that sort and the reason is uh, we trust we curate and we then trust our explorers so much and it 's their
4: voice so if if XYZ airline is the host of this experience, yeah. I don't know, host may be the wrong word, but the they facilitate, facilitator. Sure. And Explorer Joe has a bad experience on XYZ airline. Is that going to appear in that content or is that going to be filtered out to protect? We So we don't
2: have, don't think of it as reviews. Don't think of it like a trip. No, not really reviews. I'm, for I'm for
4: saying it's like there's well,
2: so a the flow of... Right. So the curation is only the way it's built is that the curation is only for my recommendations. So mm-hmm. in other words, um, an explorer will contribute it will, will contribute a theme guide. Mm-hmm. So let's say they would do late night eats in New York. what uh, you're saying, options. it's not
4: exper- it's not as their uh, experience is unfolding. Exactly. as a as a stream of social content it's Yeah. It's their view of what's out there.
2: Yeah, through their unique lens on the city, it's a multiplicity of curated voices. So rather than just having you know, one continent-ass traveler or one lonely planet, you'll have a diverse set of authentic, unique voices.
0: Yeah, interesting. Well, clearly you're very passionate about this, and so we want to drive closer to those passions, and we'll get into that in the next segment, Off the Beaten Path. Hey, everybody. This is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just
5: talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the
2: American Enough Podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics.
1: Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found.
0: All right, let's get to know you a little bit more, Galad with Off the Beaten Path. And here to help us decide who's going first is the trusty airport personnel.
5: Would passenger Mark Rico report to the
0: ticket counter? Thank you. That's you, Mark. It is me.
1: Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Making friends.
4: <laughs> uh, okay. That's our water produce, bottle. We our producer Ben in the background there enjoying this very much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it did All not right. hit her. <laughs>
4: right. uh, my question, sir, is this uh, thinking back to even childhood, what do you remember being, what is your earliest memory of having been influenced by something where you saw an ad or you, you, got sold on a hobby or you saw someone doing something or whatever it may be that so affected your thinking it could be ideological or it could be in terms of a brand that that set you on a path because you had been influenced it could be a person too my family moved
2: me from israel to new york at 9 months um And some of my earliest memories were of Saturday morning cartoons. G.I. Joe. And that was my first foray into America, F yeah.
0: Real American hero. Yeah,
2: Mm. yeah. I had the G.I. Joe tent in my room. Mm. Absolutely no reason to have a tent in your room, but it was (laughs) open, and that was my thing. And I remember kind of... Getting into the American spirit, being an American, you know, identifying with America that way. Um, now looking back, that's why I wanted to think about the earliest moment. I think that was one of the first brand experiences that got me hooked, is GI Joe and being an American. So cool! That's awesome.
4: So America's military presence defined <laughs> in cartoon form. <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Heck yeah! And and they were the good guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. later on, uh, it, it's funny. Um, so when I was in Israel, I moved back after college. Um, and I was talking to, um uh, some of the, the Russian Israelis there and jokingly I was with the American guys and we call them like the Soviets as a, as a joke. Cause it's like, it's in Israel, but the whole American mindset, you know, like Indiana Jones and all that, it's, you always have the enemy. It's either like the German Nazis or the Soviets. And you look back at it, it's, it's. It's amazing how much um, Hollywood and, and TV kind of shapes your mindset in a way. And you, you have the opportunity to take that external view like, oh, wow,
4: I was really, you know, kind of brainwashed that way. <laughs> it's crazy. So mission
0: accomplished for a lot of those brands. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Let's go get McDonald's. I, I swear uh, I was thinking of Happy Meals <laughs> right then. I was. I was.
4: Attention passengers. Best Chapman. Best Chapman. Best Chapman. Your party is waiting at gate 15.
0: And up next, that's you, Beth. So
3: as a content and tech person, what is, who is your favorite person to follow? And where do you get your travel ideas and travel news?
2: So in terms of industry news, I don't want to make any enemies. So I'm just going to name them all. <laughs> Skip to no. focus, right, in T-News. <laughs> They're all awesome. Um, in terms of inspiration, I get this question a lot. So we started B2C. Raleigh and Drake was going to go head-to-head with TripAdvisor. Mm. And our agenda was meaningful, authentic content. Then we realized, you need a heck of a war chest to go to head-to-head with TripAdvisor. Um, so we decided to go B2B <laughs> and leverage these partnerships in order to reach as many people as possible. Um, so we have an awesome app that we haven't updated over a year. I still use it sometimes when we have destinations. Um, and it will be amazing once we update it again and go back to B2C. But um, they asked me where, what, what are great sources for, like, cool stuff in the city. Um, Atlas Obscura. I got to shout them out. I don't know if you guys know them. It's all the cool, quirky stuff in mm-hmm. cities that you never thought of. I mean, go to. Um, On the Grid is another great one. And there's a whole long tail. But those are two great ones. Cool. In terms of just content... There's a new newsletter that I really love. It's called Aeon. A-E-O-N. And it's all interesting essays and videos on like philosophy and science and anthropology. That's a good Saturday read.
4: Cool. Yeah. Nice. Attention, passenger John Mattson, report to gate 22.
0: That's me. What was the experience that first inspired you to start Impact Travel Alliance, formerly Travel Plus Social Good? So I did this... uh, nine-month backpacking trip in
2: South America. Of course you did. (laughs) Of course we did. (laughs) Um, And I spent 45 days in an animal refuge in Bolivia, in the middle of the jungle, called Intiwara Yasi, where I had the honor of uh, taking care of Intiwara and Yasi, who were middle-aged pumas. And it was 45 days in this incredible, literally in the middle of nowhere in the jungle, but it's an incredible compound where um, a non for profit organization in, at that time, the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere was taking care of um, about 40 or so big cats who were um, abused by humans and they had nowhere to go. And if it wasn't for them, they'd be dead. And the community they drew around them, organically, all word of mouth, um, through hostels and stuff like that, were some of the most incredible people I ever met in my entire life. You know, like brings like, right? And it made me truly comprehend the transformational powers of travel. You know, we go for any number of reasons, we travel. It could be because you have a mission. It could be because you just need a break, whatever. If it's pull or pull, it doesn't matter. You'll be transformed by it. I mean, that's why in the beginning I gave that spiel. It's because all our mythology, our moral code, everything about us as humans has been to some extent shaped by travel. Think of the first stories ever from Gilgamesh onwards. That's given us our moral code and all the rest. And that's when I, I guess as a young adult, first felt the transformational properties of travel. And that's what kind of got me into the travel industry. And then the more I learned about the potential that the industry has, how big it is, how it impacts every living thing, but not really finding any answers for making it better. I mean, Impact Travel Alliance started as one-off summit where we didn't have any answers, so we decided to bring as many of the smart people we knew to help us figure it out. That was the genesis of the Impact Travel Alliance.
0: So. Yeah, we had Kelly on, um, who's the executive director right. of Impact Travel Alliance. So they're doing a lot of really interesting work with the UN. Um, so you have to check out that episode. Plug. <laughs> that, was a, that was an amazing
4: answer. And it's funny because I never actually thought before about the impact of travel on humanity, uh, on both a macro level and micro level. In mm-hmm. fact, if you think about it, pretty much everything that exists in the world that has to do with something man has done has been made possible because of travel, the existence of our, our access to certain resources that make computers possible, uh, the the fact that we are in America is because somebody traveled here in the first place, um, and, yeah. you know, way back, way I like back, that. Right? I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think widely. <laughs> but I'm saying, but yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty deep, man. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's what we do that's on Friday it. at 1230. We eat romesco sauce and go deep on travel. That's how we do.
0: <laughs> and scene. <singing.
3: laughs>
0: well, uh, Galad, thanks for chatting with us today. Is there a final thought that you'd like to share, a reflection either on this, on this discussion or your experiences um, in the travel industry that you know can leave us with? So with regards
2: to travel as a whole, I would, you know, urge anyone who's involved in the space from just intern, just beginning all the way up to the top executives to take that lens of thinking of the potential that travel can have to make this world better. You know, you think about, I know Kelly was talking about the sustainable development goals, right? Every one of them can be impacted for the better by travel, if not solved by it. So there's a lot of power and with power, as they say, comes great responsibility um, so just having that in your mind as you move forward. Um, and then from the startup phase of things, um, the last podcast that you guys had with uh, Bob, Bob Ru- Robert Happy, from, yeah. his whole shtick about how it's supposed to be 12 to 18 months and became 12 to 18 years. Oh my God, that is so true. <laughs> it's tough. It's really tough for everyone. And the thing that keeps people at it The thing that will help us succeed and make this industry better and thus the world better is community. So share with all your might, whether it's your knowledge, your skills, whatever connections, because call it karma, call it, you know, something else, it's there and it's going to come back for you as well. Um, So institutions like Voyager, you know, uh, initiatives done by funds like uh, JetBlue. Super, and obviously, these podcasts are super important. So just keep at it, guys. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Galad. And how can people get in touch with you or the work you're doing with um, with Raleigh and Drake, Rad Travel? So
2: um, you could just email me. Um, my first name is difficult to say, but easy to spell. G-I-L-A-D, Gilad, at rad.travel. And it's rad because most people can't really spell Raleigh and Drakes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then we moved to California, so everything's rad, so it works. So, yeah, Gilad <laughs> at rad.travel, and I'd love to hear
0: from you. Awesome. Well, thanks again for you know, this great conversation. Uh, for my co-host, Bess Chapman.
3: Great. Thanks, Gilad.
0: And for Mark Rako. And we'll see you on the flip side. I'm your host, John Matson. Bon voyage.
1: This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's travel, B-I-Z, show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.
0: This is Mouth Media Network covering the business of lifestyle.